Hello and welcome back to Butter With That, a movie podcast hosted by a couple of friends from Philly. This month we've been talking about our favorite movies as a way to celebrate Butter With That turning one years old. How about that? One years old. One whole years old. Pretty and Butter With That. So many year. <laughs> so many years. I know. We are about the same age as Gritty. That's mm. pretty crazy. Uh, I remember walking to Dave's place, talking about Gritty. Who has also greatly impacted our lives, really much like has. this podcast. Very so. true. Who's had a bigger impact? Butter without a gritty. Vote online. Um, Please don't. Yeah, That's going to be a slaughter. Also, <laughs> I saw that Gritty's birthday is impeachment day. So, hey, great things happen this time of year, I guess. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, to wrap up the regularly scheduled portion of this theme is my pick, which is Big Fish. But before we get into the movie, my thoughts, everyone else's thoughts, um, how's everybody doing? Have you seen any movies lately? I saw Venom. Yeah. And I liked it a lot. It was terrible. Not a great movie, but goddamn, Tom Hardy is just very enjoyable to watch just Agreed. stealing food off of people's plates <laughs> jumping in a lobster tank and just eating live lobsters that intrigued me i would watch just for that scene it's definitely like bad but i liked it yeah it was a fun <laughs> drunk watch mm. that's all i really wanted did yeah. you need the first 20 minutes no did you need the last 30 minutes no but <laughs> did you need to wait 50 minutes to see him be venom no <laughs> did and you that, need to see a movie that clearly accent. no one cared about no <laughs> china cared China always cares. They do. Wow, what a weird thing to come out of that. All right. Um, so I watched a whole series of a TV show while I was in Boston. Um, I watched Schitt's Creek, uh, oh. which is very funny. Oh. Um, yeah, I, I liked that show a lot. Uh, my sister told me to watch it, and then somehow we ended up watching all four seasons within the time period I was in Boston uh, doing other things. Um, but yeah, uh, very, very funny stuff. Um, and then... The right now for Cinem seventy six we're doing every day people are writing about different horror movies, like the top horror movies from the decade that we've like kind of made like a big jumbo list from everyone that That's writes cool. for Cinema seventy six. Um so I actually today I just wrote one about the invitation. Um but Garrett is writing one for a movie called Bone Tomahawk, which came out a couple of years ago, which cool. I watched the other night. And that is a crazy fucking movie. Um Kurt Russell is in it. Um, who's the dude from the Conjuring movies? Patrick uh, Wilson. Patrick Wilson yeah. is in it. Quack. David Arquette is in it for oh, some Brandon. reason. Um, but it's like basically just like a, a weird pretty slow western that turns into a bloodbath by the end of it. Uh, so it was it was pretty entertaining. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. I watched the Red Sea Diving Resort with Chris Evans. Here's what I'll say. I love him. End of review. <laughs> That's it. That's so, all I have to say. So was it good? I love Chris Evans. That's it. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Okay. I have watched nothing new or good. Just more X-Files <laughs> reruns. Yay. Well, that's good. Always yeah. good. X-Files to you is like turn to me. <laughs> it's just, it's a safety and security yeah. blanket. <laughs> do you just watch through every episode or you do, do you skip through like to like some of the Monster of the Week episodes? So, that's what I do. Um, 
Yeah, I've been going back and doing some random Monster of the Week because I did the Alien arc mm. um, and then tried to watch some of the new seasons. It was just like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. And although it is hilarious to watch Mulder and Scully do die, like they're doing dialogue, but they're just more like laughing at each other with mm. their eyes being <laughs> like, I can't believe we're doing this still. And it's, so that's funny to watch their little banter and winks at each other during the new seasons but more just old is there any more coming out like another movie or new seasons i one of them said they're not gonna do it anymore i think it was david Duchovny. i think also jillian anderson has okay. said that she's done okay she's mm-hmm. doing has gonna do his uh you know rock music oh he <laughs> he's already touring I know. um half-life excellent number <laughs> it's about carbon dating and love Oh, Get it, Carvin? Oh my God! Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, jeez! He's such a dad, and it's amazing. <laughs> that activated every bone in my body, and all with rage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he. Yeah. The, I wanted to tell you a thing. I texted you about it. I forgot. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, my supervisor at work today, uh, like, asked me like why I needed to leave early, and I was like, well, I just like wanted to leave a couple minutes early because I do a podcast with my friends. So he was asking what it was about, and I was like, it's about movies. And he goes, I'm like not really into movies. He's like, I used to be, and then I saw a movie that was so bad, oh. I stopped watching oh my movies gosh. and like don't <gasps> like watching movies. And oh, I was like, oh, what shit. was it? And he was like, remember me? And I was. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it's up there. I was like, I haven't seen it, but my friend described every detail of it to me, and it also enraged me. So I can't imagine what it's like to watch. I wow. understand. I get where he's coming. I from. totally understood yeah. when he said it, and I was like, I'm really sorry that happened to you and it ruined <laughs> movies for you. But also, I get it. So it was gonna be any movie. Funny. At least it was. You say there are other movies that don't end with the twist being it was 9/11. <laughs> He was like, I just wanted to watch like a fun rom com, and I was like, Oh, it! I know you That's didn't. That's the opposite of that. It's barely a rom, you know. <laughs> Most certainly not a com. That would be a wonderful so future whiteboard question. What was the movie that almost made you stop watching <laughs> oh, movies geez. forever? Yeah, I don't mind. Actually, no. Meek's cut off. <laughs> I, like, I don't think I can watch you never. anything. Material for an hour and a half to two hours anymore. (laughs) Movies are done as a format. Fucking blood in the water now. Sorry. Well, (laughs) so I think think we have Sam's answer. Um, Yikes. Speaking about water. (laughs) Good. Yes. Yes. Let's talk about tonight's movie, which is Big Fish. So. We've been breaking from regular format, which, you know, is like trailer, review, what a, general movie. opinions. I barely even remember <laughs> anymore. Watch, watch the movie. Watch the yeah. movie. Talk That's about the movie. Somewhere. And instead, we've all watched these movies, and I know that everyone has a bad review, r- primed and ready to go, but before we do that, here's a little brief synopsis that I wrote about Big Fish, so it's terrible, and I'm very sorry. Um, so Big Fish stars Ewan McGregor and Albert Finney as Edward Bloom, a charming southern gentleman, and his unbelievable life told through a series of flashbacks. His son, Will, played by Billy Crudup, Crudup. Pr- <laughs> 
<laughs> provides the heavy dose of reality, accusing Edward of stealing the limelight, never being truthful, and basically being full of shit. The movie follows Will's journey of reconciliation with Edward after three years of estrangement, not to mention a lifetime of growing apart due to Edward's terminal illness. I think that's... Yeah. Mostly yeah. short, yeah. mostly yeah. sweet nice. synopsis of the movie. So now you know what to expect. <laughs> but what did the people think about it? Specifically the bad things people had said. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, what I thought. Nope, that's not what you wanted. Not yet, at least. Um, I, I have a short one. <laughs> Stephen Hunter said, Big Fish stinks from the head. <laughs> End of quote. End of, <laughs> end of review. End of review. He's no relative of mine. I'll say that. <laughs> um, I have one from Joe Lozito from December of 27. Uh, and he just wrote, unfortunately, up until the end, the tall tales are far more interesting than reality. Which I was like, well, how is that a, That's, like, kind of, kind of, duh? Like, like how is that a, I don't know. That's the movie. And then one person just had this one liner that I thought was so funny. It's just like, don't you mean big turkey, Tim? (laughs) (laughs) What? I was like, oh, you throwing a Tim at the end, too? Got him. So good. (laughs) Got him. From Rob D on Rotten Tomatoes from February 2019. I prefer a fork in the eye. That takes out only a sense. Make it also to detonate a few bombs on my ears. Oh, I read this one. It yeah. would be bliss rather than going through this. <laughs> a little Ooh. bit of lyricalness there. Nice. Yeah. This guy's got like a lot of forks in the eyes. A little I haiku guess. going on. <laughs> These are just funny. And I also love that the reviews that we've picked that are bad for our favorite movies are like mostly nonsensical. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, these are arguably great movies to most people. Yeah. I was going to say, we had one negative review that, like, uh... <laughs> I, like, made side-eye toward Christy. I'm so sorry. Um, Meek's so- cut off, Blade Runner. Oh God. I got one coming down the pipe that I... Or pike, that's the term, that yeah, I really yeah. think... Sam will like, anyhow. We'll see. We will certainly see, Christine. Um, okay. Wow. So, man, the tension between yeah, Christine and Sam today. Cut with a butter knife. Oh, oh, fucking God. Uh, okay. What a night already. No <laughs> tension, only appreciation for um, all the movies that we're bringing. Yeah, everything I've said tonight has been out of love for you, Christine. Yeah, I wouldn't want you to lie to me. Great. I'm glad we have yes. healed. <laughs> good. Good, good, good. Okay, so Big Fish was released in 2003 and is based on the 1998 novel of the same name. Uh, this movie had a budget of $70 million and made about um, $123 million worldwide. Uh, it was nominated for a ton of awards, most notably Danny Elfman, who was nominated for an Oscar and a Grammy for the original score. <laughs> Didn't win, but he was nominated. For a Grammy, too. That's interesting. Hmm. Super. Uh, I found creating an agenda for this movie to be overwhelming and honestly like the biggest challenge to date because it feels so for lack of a better word big this movie is so special to me Uh, when I saw it for the first time less than like 10 10 years ago maybe like 6 years ago honestly um, it was like meeting your soulmate. Everything slowed down, then moved so quickly to catch up. But I genuinely had a, like, a moment of self-awareness thinking that this was what I had been looking for and waiting for. It's just like something that clicked in like an instant love. And um, I also feel like it's so deeply 
personal. Um, I feel really vulnerable now, like I'm sharing um, a part of me that I don't show often to people. So to my friends here, <laughs> enjoy this. Um, butter with that fans, enjoy this little sliver of my heart that you get. It's mostly dead, but here you go. Um, so the things that I particularly want to talk about with this movie is the power of memory, the movie as catharsis, and then also some of the other like great scenes and just overall things that I love about Big Fish. But enough about me right now. I want to hear what everyone else thought about Big Fish. Did anyone see it for the first time or had everyone seen it before? I've seen it a few times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I saw it in, I think it was junior year in high school, in English class, talking about, like, storytelling. Hmm. Uh, and so the nature of, like, does a true story really matter? I read a few books that were, like, unreliable narrators. Yeah, it's a good kind of stuff like that. that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw it around the time it came out and then haven't seen it in its entirety since. So it was uh, interesting to watch it. Because I, I feel like I'd seen snippets on TV, but certainly felt like a rewatch um, with a new perspective. Uh, I saw this one in theaters with my dad. Aww. So, uh, so, you know, that was definitely a doozy and definitely, uh, one that I really, really fondly remember. Um, you know, not only because of it being a great movie, but because of that association. Yeah. I feel like dad stuff always gets to me. That's like <laughs> one of my like things in movies. I'm like, Oh, like dad relationships. <laughs> yeah, me too. And, yeah. I cry throughout this movie, like the whole movie. I told Connor, like I had watched it Monday and I was drained for the whole rest of the day. <laughs> I like watched it around like one. I was like, well, I can't do anything else. Cause like I was tired down to my toes. That's how much I cry when I watch this movie. Um, Cause it's just like, it's so meaningful to me. But what do you guys think about it? Is it, do you think it's a good movie? Do you think it's like a, a worthwhile watch? Definitely. I think it's definitely, like, uh, also, like, for the time it came out, it's, like, definitely, like, a, there are many good Tim Burton films, but it's definitely, like, a really great one that, like, a lot of not-so-great ones end up following it, so, um, because at that point, like, we were still, like, a pretty big Tim Burton household, Mm -hmm. so, like, any Tim Burton stuff we really liked, and this one visually looks, like, really different than the other ones, it's still, like, that, like, saturation, but it's, like, really, like, beautiful bright colors and stuff, um, and so that's, like, definitely a thing that always sticks out to me, like, the, the way that movie looks. Yeah, it's, like, Uh, the least Tim Burton Tim Burton movie. Yeah, exactly, which, like, to its for credit for in him, some ways. yeah, like it, it worked. He like you know went a little outside the comfort zone, and that worked. And then he did stuff that was very Tim Burton, and it did not work out so well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think um, Albert Finney in this movie mm. is absolutely amazing. Like yeah. I forget how good, like good of a performer he is. I like, I was like, he has this like towering persona, but most of his scenes, he's either lying in a bed or sitting down, but even just through his, his presence, you really believe like this myth of a man, like the realness, but also this myth of a man and can see kind of the glimmers of his younger self in his eyes, like the, the folds in his face are like the stories he tells. Ta- I was just like, I could watch Albert Finney like do <laughs> like talk about anything. Um, and I think Ewan McGregor's performance wonderfully matches that as well, playing the same character. But mm-hmm. I think Finney's performance like really 
stood out. And he's Ewan McGregor just definitely has more scene time, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but just kind of in his older age, talking about his stories and his memory, I was just like, oh, this is so beautiful and sad. I think one of my main criticisms of the film is that I just want more. Mm-hmm. Like out of this world, I want to see more of like his father son relationship, more of the tales that he told, mm-hmm. which I feel like is the best praise you can give a movie of like it had me hooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted, <laughs> sorry, Tori. No, it's fine. No, I was thinking about that too. I think the only thing for me is that like I don't find the son to be like, like I don't totally understand where he's coming from. Like the son always kind of feels a little bit like he's being too much of a dick to me, you know? I guess, yeah, I mean, like, I guess. Uh... I feel like Billy Crudup was trying to play, a, like, his interpretation of the role was to play a character that has, like, virtually no imagination. Mm, yeah. Which is, or, like, I don't know. Or he's just, like, a different kind of... He's a writer as well, right? Like, his father. Or he's, like, a right? journalist, yeah. I think, Yeah, so, right? like, maybe he's more he's engaged He's, like, grounded with, like, in, like, reality. And, yeah. 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 I don't know. Either way, he feels... Yeah, he's kind of yawn-worthy. Up until, like, I think the very end, when mm-hmm. he nails it. But. Yeah. Although, the wedding scene, when he gets pissed that his dad is, like, telling this long story that this that Will, the son, had heard a million times, mm-hmm. I felt like that was a very real yeah. interaction and tension. When he's mm-hmm. like, what the fuck, Dad? Like, this is the one night I'm asking you not mm-hmm. to make it about yourself. Yeah. And you are. And... They have like a riff for like three years. Like yeah. I could definitely see where the sun was coming from. Like mm-hmm. you don't give me straight answers. You you spin tales, and I'm trying to understand who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go no. Ahead. Yeah. I was just gonna say. I think like for me, like um, like my grandfather passed away like two years ago, and um, one thing my dad and I always talked about was just that he like never told us like anything. Like he just wasn't like he was that person that always had very superficial like conversations with you he like asked you like oh how's school how's life and then he was like done talking basically and so like like my dad was always like I like always wanted more like I wanted him to be telling me like something so like for me I always like think about that where I'm just like like but like you're getting you're getting like something like you have these like tales and stories like which you know I think lack like like I know that was like something with like my dad and my grandfather's relationship where he always felt like there was that thing lacking where he just like didn't actually know his father and maybe this is like the opposite side of that where like he doesn't know his father because everything he's saying is like too fantastical mm-hmm. um but yeah it's like i don't know it was just like it's interesting because i'm just like i like would like kill for that like that that sounds like amazing <laughs> to have like someone that's like telling these like really like crazy like interesting stories that like aren't in, aren't all truthful but like there is like some like roots in that too and also, like, having that, like, skill of being, like, a storyteller who people are really drawn to is, like, pretty amazing. Yeah. And I love the doctor toward the end of the movie as um, his dad is, you know, slowly dying is, like, well, do you want to hear the real story of how you were born? Or do you want, like, the mm-hmm. fantastical, the fun-loving version? I think that's just a really, of like, just a really strong theme for a movie to latch mm-hmm. on to of, like, what stories matter mm-hmm. and what becomes of those stories once we pass on. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, like, that's why one of my major points here is the power of memory. And mm-hmm. so... You are told the story of Edward through all of his tall tales that are essentially his truth. Mm. I mean, he, like, 
point blank will is like just be straight with me and he's like everything i've said to you is the truth Mm -hmm. and so like he genuinely believes that and we find out that towards the end like at the end of his life that there is a lot of truth Mm -hmm. to those stories but on the flip side of that like hearing you you folks bring up this idea of the son being like i don't like understand why he was so frustrated i think it's about perspective and something i hadn't really caught before but did this time around was so will remembers his dad being absent so Mm -hmm. much so that he even says i thought he had a second family or that he was Mm -hmm. definitely having an affair and that's why he goes back to specter and that's why he meets jenny and you know i always took that to be like yeah I, i bet he was absentee but then i actually thought about it and we see at certain points throughout will's life where edward is telling all of these stories right we see it when he's a little boy in bed we see it at boy scouts we see it at prom and then at the wedding and it's like these are both critical and just regular moments of will's like childhood and teenage years and even adulthood but also when will goes back home to see edward because he knows he's dying from cancer he walks up the steps and what you see is just a a hallway full of pictures of edward and will at very critical moments and they're just it's littered with it Mm -hmm. and so you're almost like well my story am i trusting and and like you know i i think yeah like maybe that's like how like he felt too but like maybe like his dad telling these like really crazy tall tales that are really vivid and had all of these like detail like that's him trying to like make his son feel like a part of like his experiences when he isn't around um which i think like is like kind of an interesting to think of thing to think about as well mm-hmm. yeah and then so like connor when you said that in english class you were talking about an unreliable narrator i think that is across the board mm-hmm. um but I think the the most important and pivotal scene is with Dr. Bennett when he's like, yeah, you know, his story is a little bit more, like, fantastical, but, like, he still loves you, and he mm-hmm. tells the story like that because he wants to show you in the best way that he knows how. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that, that, like, reconciling what you want versus, like, what you have can be hard. You know, I never even really thought of that, of, like, Will, right, was the son's name? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we should, you know, should we try to force the people in our lives to be what we want them to be or try to accept them for who they are? Because Edward realized that very young mm-hmm. when he was like a teenager of like, oh, I or even younger, like I can't. <laughs> yeah. Like, when uh, when you and McGregor is supposedly 18. Yeah. yeah OK. <laughs> um, and so he's in the small town in Alabama and is like, oh, like. He was reading about goldfish when it's like what bones were not mm-hmm. growing as fast Wait, or oh, something. Right. Yeah. No, they're growing too fast, too fast for his small body. Um, and he's like, "Oh, I gotta like you know, a goldfish in a bigger pond will grow larger. You know, the bigger the mm-hmm. container of water is." And so he has to go out there and live his truth. And I wonder if Will was like trying to like control the truth when he should have just accepted mm. his father's truth. Yeah. Mm. Which I, I feel like there's uh, the movie kind of got me thinking not only about like personal storytelling but um kind of like um kind of like how edward's stories to his son are connected to larger stories and memory of american history and like Mm. culture and i i was sort of trying to it's like specter is like a town that 
I sort of saw as this vision of like family and domesticity and he's like oh I don't know if I want to stay like these people are nice but mm-hmm. it's like they're trying to get me to stay and maybe mm-hmm. like marry one of these ladies or something I don't want that you're here early but you don't have to go and then like the circus is like American fascination with this entertainment and like exploitation like when Danny DeVito goes up to uh who's the character the, the tall guy Carl and is like have you ever heard the term like um in like indentured, indentured servitude, servitude. he's like no <laughs> and then he goes to war and then there's these like interesting narratives of like uh Edward coming I think he's in the Korean War right yeah it's in Korea I, I would assume and like some like interesting depictions of like American involvement in like communist or like sort of like anti-communist and just like I can see like a character like Edward talking about these stories embedded in like American memory and what things looked like yeah kind of like a shared cultural memory yeah yeah and so like I was kind of like wrestling with this notion of like in those respects in larger contexts of like personal memory within like like uh, country memory and it's like when does the truth actually matter as far as like the Americans coming in and like, it's like saving yeah, romanticizing yeah, yeah like uh, saving this these performers from having to perform yeah. in front of um, like the enemy you know and things like that and so I think that was something that I, this movie really made me think about it was I think an interesting tension that the movie presents yeah that is so interesting I had never thought about it that way before mm-hmm. but like I think you're exactly right mm. like, like the a- circus used to be a fun thing now it's a thing where you're just like I think these animals are being abused and I don't want to mm-hmm. go to this just use holograms like, just make them holograms yeah mm-hmm. there you go watching mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me of like a folklore uh, Forrest Gump you know, yeah. yeah, one of my notes is uh, for a certain portion of the movie is this is Tim Burton's presents Forrest Gump. <laughs> it's just the portion where he has like the Dodge Charger and he's like flooring it to uh, what is it? Um, Ramblin' Man. Yeah, yeah he's, Ramblin'. He's, he's driving a Ramblin' Man and like it, you know, it's very much like the Forrest Gump thing of like, oh, here's like something to set you in this particular era because of the music and the cinematography. Mm. And then it also quickly goes from then into like the bank robbery sequence with Steve Buscemi, which uh, we're treated to immediately just um, let's work together and like. It's got a very like fast like edited and like uh, like the the music choices are very much cues to like the time period. So it does feel like that for a minute, but I uh, I don't know. I, I think it's I, I don't think it's a problem. Mm. But it's no, no, I don't think it's a problem at all. I think it's like this character is passing through like a la Forrest Gump visions of these different aspects mm. of American society, and I think that they do connect to as like facets of his life and who he is but i think that's the wonderful sort of embedded nature of personal story recollections and memory within like larger context and understanding like like that relationship um but yeah i didn't think about forrest Gump. that's kind of an interesting mm-hmm. connection there this movie's uh a little less problematic than forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> well I like this movie better than Forrest Gump. <laughs> Safe to say, I, I, I do sure. as well. Um, and, you know, the the major issue that this film tackles is something that we've talked about a lot already is Edward's and Will's relationship. And so for me, this movie represents healing and catharsis in a lot of ways. So obviously you have Will and Edward's relationship 
but you also have Tim Burton. So Tim Burton's parents passed away. I think his dad passed in 2000 and his mom mm-hmm. in 2002. And then the movie came out in 2003. Mm-hmm. So you, I feel like it's obvious that he's like working through some shit as this movie goes on. And you know, like that makes sense. Like this is like a movie that was so different for him and it was based on this book. And so I can tell that he took his time to make it as emotional as he could mm-hmm. and for me like I, I feel the same way so you know for me I, I really identify with Will quite a bit and his journey of acknowledging and letting go anger with parents and um, it's also about this journey of recognizing your parents as people when we're younger we so often put them on pedestals and you know as we grow we see them for who they are with all of their yes flawed human beings who you know did their best and loved us in the ways that they knew um and i also think though that this movie puts a spin on it that like even with their flaws there is something special about all of our parents and you know will kind of recognizes this at the last moment Mm -hmm. right like in a hail mary pass and then the movie ends with like him telling the story to his children like the the same stories and so you know, for me, it's a good reminder to let that shit go mm. and then appreciate what you have before it's gone. Yeah. And it's like, I, I think about it, too, where it's his story is interesting, um, especially with, like, his focus on, like, his father having another family or an affair mm-hmm. and all of this stuff. When it's like, your parents had this, like, really, like, beautiful, loving relationship, like, throughout your life. And that's, like, pretty amazing mm-hmm. um, to, like, have that. Because, like... Mm-hmm. For, you know, as a child of divorce, it was, like, I did think my parents were, like, the perfect, like, ideal couple. And then, like, as I got older and learned more things and, like, all of that, it's, like, oh, no, like, they they are just, like, you know, human beings with, like, faults and, mm-hmm. you know, probably weren't, like, the perfect, like, couple that I thought they were, like, mm-hmm. when I was growing up and everything. But, like... Like, the the relationship with, like, the father and mother I also really love. Like, the scene with the bathtub um, is so amazing. Oh, my God. So amazing. When she's like, I'll never dry out. Oh, my God. I know. I'm going to die. I know. (laughs) I do have a question. Where do we stand on the affair? Because it seems pretty muddy, right? Like, I mean, when he first shows up to confront, um, her name is Jenny Hill. She's played by Helena Bonham Carter, which is a character that that, uh, Edward uh, had met when he was younger. Um and return to eventually like in, initially he walks in and is like basically just like rolls it out I was like so you know he had the affair right and her response isn't no she says like wow you're just jumping right to that um and then she tells her story which is like similarly like kind of like folky and like you know like uh, mystical and so on but does she uh, not it, outright say no well she says that like to, she says that thing where like um to, to your father edward there were there were two women in, there were two types of women in the world there was uh his wife Sandra, and then there was every other woman, but like, I don't know. Like as I understand it, like that story leaves off with like her basically expressing how like she was in her own way, cru- and it's like addressed in the like story that's represented um, that she was kind of crushed that uh, he wasn't emotionally available to her. But that doesn't mean that they didn't have an affair. So I don't know. I don't think we get an answer, do we? That's For me, interesting. It seems like she explained like it wasn't an affair, but that's like my understanding of it. That's but. really interesting. You bring that up because. Up until I rewatched it on Monday, I thought the same thing. Yeah. And then I watched it on Monday, and there is that scene where she goes to kiss him, and he 
pulls away. Sure. And she's so embarrassed that then that's when she gives him the deed to the house. I mean, this is also part of a story, though, where a giant fixes her house. You know? True. So I don't, I don't know. True. It's, it's hard. I feel like, no. Mm. But... I don't know. I guess it's one of those like interesting moments that's up to interpretation. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think there's definitely something he said for like, you know, emotionally he was giving so much time to her, to this town of Spectre, uh, that I do see where Will's coming from. Of like, oh, he invested so much of his time away from the home. Mm-hmm. So I think in some ways, I mean, was there like a physical boundary cross? Probably not. But maybe like on an, um, terms of like emotion, emotional levels, potentially. Just like the amount of time. Right. Yeah. Maybe in that regard. But I also think that it cu- like it's very clear to me that Edward is a simple man, like in the best way possible, mm. but one that doesn't pick up on cue so much mm-hmm. um, until he really gets the heebie-jeebies like when he's at Spectre <laughs> that night and they're like doing oh my God. that scene yeah. Yeah. when dancing they're around. dancing around and then the, the, the mayor and then Steve Buscemi like in the background. <laughs> then he's like, oh, this is fucked. So I'm going to leave. You can see it on his face. It's such a great moment in that that whole sequence because it's such an ideal idyllic little town and stuff but there's this like underlying current of menace that becomes oh my god the yeah. that town is little, terrifying little stepford wives well, yeah. for that period of time too like what what year around was that 1950s yeah, yeah. i mean that was Alabama. like that was <laughs> like people like yeah. coming out of the war like people were going back to being like like it was like isolationism and it was like like very family focused and so there was this whole like yes like you now you're of a certain age you have to get married and have kids and settle down and for him being like a younger man in that moment it's probably like a really terrifying thing so like even though like you know maybe there wasn't actually anything creepy like going on there like that idea as a young man probably is like really hard to deal with and it's just like nope like i'm not ready for this i gotta i gotta bounce like there's even when they walk into the town too there's a uh, cinematic reference where uh, one of the guys on the porch is playing the dueling banjos theme yeah, from Deliverance. Deliverance. Just like, have you seen that movie? You know, <laughs> oh, that's a bad sign. Shit. I um, that. Damn. But also, I feel like this is Spectre is a metaphor for marriage almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's like, well, you're early, but you're expected. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's very clear that, like, there are certain women who want to end up with Edward in there. I mean, mm-hmm. like Jenny yeah. being one of them, even mm-hmm. though she was a little girl. Um, One of my favorite characters in the film was um, Will's wife, played by Marion Cotillard. Yeah. Uh, I think the dynamic between her and Will and Edward, I thought was really fascinating of this like outsider perspective, because mm-hmm. she only met, I assume, met his dad on their wedding day, right? And then they moved to Paris and then never probably interacted much. At least that was my understanding. Unclear, Unclear how how long they knew each other before yeah, the wedding. Yeah, because she's like very kind and, mm-hmm. and nice think, to him. I think her acting is great, but I wish she had more to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I feel like she's just kind of an accessory in this plot. In yeah. A way. My favorite conversation is actually between Josephine and Edward. When Edward goes, I don't know if you know this or are aware of this, Josephine, but African parrots in their native home of the Congo speak only French. <laughs> it's like, but they never talk about religion. And then Will goes, Oh, Dad, well, Josephine's actually been to the Congo. <laughs> Would you like to ask her about her actual experience? Oh, so you so know. So you already know, yeah. <laughs> and it's, but that's the perfect response from Edward, right? Um, right, like, this movie. This just encapsulates, I feel like, everything about 
that dynamic just within this dinner table conversation. <laughs> no, that's a great one to bring up. Yeah. I feel like this movie is brilliant for so many other things too. So like I really like and this is a new term to me, but like I feel like I knew about it, but the the Southern Gothic elements mm-hmm. which um it's it's that, but this this it's also really like beautiful and tender and um, a quiet story with like just enough magical realism to give you a little pause and mm-hmm. I just really like that a lot and my, one of my favorite lines it's common knowledge that every town has a witch <laughs> I'm like goal in life be that witch yes <laughs> um, some things that I also really like about the movie and Tori you mentioned this but Tim Burton's use of color I Mm. always, I always love his use of color, even in Beetlejuice, Mm -hmm. where he like, he really hits hard the primary colors Mm -hmm. and then loves throwing green in there too. Mm -hmm. I just love that. But also in all of the flashbacks, there's like a haze on every character. Yeah. The fucking, what are they, daffodils? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. The daffodils. There's a field of like beautiful, like, yeah, it's like that, like kind of like haze around everything mm-hmm. and the yellow which just looks so nice it's kind of like a nice you know like visual cue of just like the soft lighting the blurred edges is clearly memory or or storytelling mm-hmm. and the cold natural light is definitely reality mm. um which i think is a really really effective uh, tool in this movie yeah yeah and i mean like the the cinematography and the directing is just i could go on and on and on about this and some of my favorite scenes are um when Edward meets Sandra for the first time at the circus and like mm-hmm. everything pauses and he's like moving through and he like pushes popcorn out of the way and the daffodil scene. And mm-hmm. then like the, the scene where Will makes up how Edward is going to go mm-hmm. because like the whole movie is kind of building up to this because he saw how he was going to die in the eye of the witch. But like he was like, Oh, it's a surprise ending. And that's the moment I think when you figure out like Edward kind of knows that all of these are tall tales because he doesn't know how he's going to die. And so he lets Will do that. And um, this the, the story that Will creates is so beautiful. And that's when I like get into the hyperventilating cries, mm-hmm. but it's just like so great. And like, that's, that's the moment where I could feel Tim Burton. Where I was like, yeah, you're dealing with something too. He like lets the sun like write the ending for him, which is just like, eh. And it's, it's so cool too, because I mean, it, given that they're both writers, um, you see Will come alive really in this scene. Like it, it's, it, it, it maybe is why he's more understated in the rest of the film uh, is because at the end, you know, he, he has this emotionality to achieving the story and, and framing it for his father. Um, but also you can see uh, Edward, his father, like kind of like, you know, fading away mortally, but also, you know, seeing his son really come alive through the craft of storytelling, which is his gift mm-hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, a really also cool and meaningful layer to that scene, too. Mm-hmm. And there's a line that he says that I'm going to get tattooed in my body somewhere that says, you become what you always were, a very big fish. And it's just <laughs> like so beautiful. Really is. Yeah. I love that. Like, I, I it made me think like that, like ending with them too. like um, Stephen King and Joe Hill, like his son, like write together and do some stuff together. Like apparently one of the reasons why that book he did about JFK, uh, I always forget the name of that. It was like 11, 22, yeah, 63. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently Joe Hill, like 
helps like write like part of that book and like he always has these really uh, joe hill's books are really wonderful and he always has like really like nice like um acknowledgements about his parents and like talks a lot about them like he says something about like oh from like um i like stole the name of the book from this person and then like to my father who i like steal everything else from or something and like it's just like really like i i love that idea of like you know them like working together like Mm -hmm. on these things and like that's kind of how the ending of that movie feels to me like they like created this this thing together yeah Yeah. well that's a really great perspective yeah i love this movie yeah. <laughs> um, any other thoughts about Big Fish before we kind of? I was wondering. So, have you read the book? No, I okay. haven't. And I haven't either. I was just wondering. It's how, my understanding that different. they're different. Interesting. They yeah, are they are slightly different. different as themselves. Yeah. I think it's interesting that Danny DeVito plays a circus ringleader in this film, <laughs> and then also in Tim Burton's Dumbo. Dumbo. This year, he I also there were plays scenes that I was like, "This is straight leader. from the trailer of Dumbo." There's a yeah. meme somewhere where it's like, "Hey, like Tim Burton wants you in another film," and he just says, "All right, I'll get my top hat," and it just shows <laughs> yeah, him wearing yeah. top hats and like all these different Tim Burton movies. Yeah, it's the best because he does the Penguin too. Right. Oh yeah. yeah, he's, he's been mm-hmm. around. Yep. Woof. Also, I will say, you McGregor, I love you forever. He's very good. He's playing the villain, I guess, in the Birds of Prey movie. Oh, like the movie. movie. Oh my god, I was like, new spin new on spin. Big Fish. <laughs> Tori goes Let's in for the actual talk about. <laughs> <laughs> he represents capitalism. There we go. No. That's um, no, he, uh, I, I was watching the Birds of Prey trailer yeah. last night, and I guess he's the, the villain, which, he's like, I don't masked. know if I see him, like, too often play that role, and he looks like, he looks, like, good in the trailer mm-hmm. and everything, so I'm like, oh, that's kind of, like, cool. I like Ewan McGregor a lot. So like seeing him in a different type of like role like that might be pretty interesting. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he plays kind so well. So it'll be does. interesting to see him. Yes. Be kind of a shit or something. That'd be yeah, cool. Yeah, I'd be into it. Um, I have some notes about like production and a, a handful of other things, uh, if you don't mind. I mean, um, do it. The one thing that I thought was really cool was um, well, one note that I have here is actually just uh, a note on Ewing McGregor's performance is that he owes Matthew McConaughey royalties for his accent. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, yeah. man, it's a giant. All right, all right, all right. Uh, I also have uh, some other notes uh, about the giant, which is that um, when he's uh, concealed in the cave, um, when he speaks, the wind blows through the, uh, the entrance of the cave. Reminds me of the great owl in uh, Secret mm. of Nim. Ooh. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Pretty much the same thing, which is really cool. Nice tie-in, if, uh, if intentional. Um, he goes to work at the carnival, uh, and he... He goes through months of hard labor for little snippets of information about uh, about Sandra, Sandra, including one is like several months in. It's like Danny DeVito rolls by and he's like, "She likes music." Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a rip off! I know. I know. And I like, just cuts to his face you. and he's big smile. He's like, "She likes music." And he's doing <laughs> all of these horrific things. Mm-hmm. And I have a great note about one of those things. And one uh, one scene uh, when uh, when it's revealed, I think that uh, she she loves daffodils. He's he's going through all these different motions and doing these like horrible jobs in the carnival. Uh, when he's daydreaming and he's uh, shoveling the elephant shit, mm-hmm. the elephant shitting in the background wasn't part of the script. I was wondering about that. I was wondering about like, it. Did they have to do over the loudspeaker? All right, elephant shit, now, 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 go over there. And he just has to like, quickly pose in front of the butt How cheek. And it just like, it. It just <laughs> Oscar for awesome. elephant. Oh Nailed it. <laughs> and it's so scene. good. Um, I suppose that's that's largely what I had here, except uh, one other note, um, which I think is, is kind of interesting, too, is that uh, within the daffodil sequence, um, 
after uh, all has gone on and they've had this this sort of like row this fight out in the uh, the daffodils and she dismisses uh, the guy Roy I don't remember what his name is in the movie but Roy Roy, uh, Roy sounds yeah. like a dick Roy, you know. <laughs> is it Don I think it, it is, is Don, Don. Yeah. Don. Pretty similar. Yeah, no. Also works. But, um, <laughs> Whatever. When it when it pulls back to reveal the two of them just there in the field together, uh, Edward and uh, um, Sandra. Sandra, uh, it pulls out, and if you, if you take a close look, they're in the shape of a heart in the indenture of the uh, the oh, daffodils cute. that have been smashed during the fight. Cute, cute, cute. Mm. It's really awesome. Yeah, so brilliant. I just want to say that I would love to see more of Allison Lohman. She disappeared. Like she was in Drag Me to Hell, and then she disappeared oh yeah and i would like to rewatch that movie also drag me to hell mm-hmm. it's great mm. um but yeah she was like having a moment in the early 2000s and then i because i had forgotten she was in this movie and i really love her as an actress and then was like i don't know what she's up to mm. so allison if you're out there let us know let us, Come back. Let us know you could be on better with that podcast at gmail.com <laughs> you got room we can fit another chair in here all right. Well, thanks for bringing this one, Sam. Thanks, yeah. Sam. thanks everybody. Um, we will be back momentarily for our whiteboard crush. <laughs> quack, quack for our whiteboard. Oh my god! <laughs> A white boy question. Ready, guys. Uh, the white board question. Is Nailed quack it. now or just like? Coverall, quack, <laughs> redos. I got Quake. this. Qu- I got this answer. <laughs> I was drying out. So welcome back to Better With That. Our white board question of the night is, what does our favorite movie say about us? And we're going to answer it for each other. So the way that we decided to do this is we are going to um, answer it for the person sitting to our left. So you're going to figure out uh, how we sit. 
So oh, big yeah. reveal, guys. Big reveal. This is um, the moment you've all been waiting for. We're always in the same for. spot. Yeah, even weird. when some of us are missing, we're creatures of heaven. Does anyone want to start off? I mean, I guess. Do we want to go in order because it would work that way, right? Sure. Oh, f- okay. if I if I start okay. with you, sure. Sure. So it's oh, uh. Geez. <laughs> this is like Family Feud. <laughs> well, Connor's favorite film was Jurassic Park. We covered that at the uh, the onset of this uh, this theme. Um, yeah, I mean, it's inarguably a fantastic movie. Uh, I think it says about you that you uh, typically within films, and I think this syncs up with a lot of the movies that I know you do like, um, need to be based in characters that are relatable and have heart. Um, there has to be a lot of forward momentum within the uh, the structure of the storytelling and that a fully realized production as far as each of its individual elements, um, specifically with Jurassic Park from um, dinosaur creation and everything else, um, the more fleshed out the better. So it seems like you've got a, a really good barometer for, um, for movies that are uh, structurally – structurally based in character but still rely on the momentum of the film itself Ooh. thanks dave i know that was well, i don't know um, is that accurate no yeah that's yeah that, accurate. Uh, yeah that's almost <laughs> like encapsulating every movie that connor has brought to mm, butter with yeah. that mm. whoa <laughs> <laughs> All right, Connor, you're uh, next. On to Tori. To my left. Uh, Tori's movie was 1982's The Thing. John Carpenter. Um, well, I know that you love Kurt Russell. I do so love Kurt Russell. I'm also, so you brought up a Kurt brought Russell movie again. <laughs> I did. <laughs> it just keeps sneaking in. Yep. I think um, The Thing encapsulates your love of tension in movies. Um, and in focusing general? just in general, just like love tension. <laughs> um, and I think special effects and horror. I mean, we know that you love horror movies, and I think it's really interesting that the thing was such like you didn't really watch it that long ago. Like, um, so I think you're always looking for newer films as well in your catalog to like open up your horizons to like new experiences. So like you love the horror genre, but you're also open to like checking out other stuff. If there's like great production design, Kurt Russell's in it, John Carpenter's <laughs> directing it. <laughs> all but good, also, all good signs. the '80s is like your sweet the 80s, spot. The yeah. '80s, yeah, oh, you really yeah. are '80s. One hundred percent for most things. Yeah. <laughs> '80s soundtracks, man. Anything that is fucking synth, man, is so good. Um, yeah, how, how was that? It wasn't a good yeah. day. I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought that was good. Thanks. Um, can I just share one memory real quick about John Carpenter? Yes. So um, I remember I showed Tori a video of John Carpenter on the Nintendo Labo for the Switch. Labo is this like uh, cardboard set that you can plug your Switch into and like play the keyboard or guitar, like do a robot monster. Whoa. And he tries to recreate. Uh, IGN gave him a Labo and to recreate the Halloween soundtrack. Would <laughs> he do it? Like, he could not figure it out. <laughs> and that's just a really precious memory. He, I have. he was so pissed. And then like I went home and was like, Garrett, you need to watch this video. Because <laughs> the guy's trying to help him, and at one point he's just like, he's the guy like touches it and he goes, You don't touch that, I touch that. <laughs> just Google Nintendo Labo John Carpenter IGN and it'll pop right up. It's like two minutes long. John Carpenter. That sums up Tori's okay. movies. Treasure. Okay. Yeah, nice. that's true. Um, Christine. Hi. Hi. <laughs> it's Blade Runner. And I was oh trying to God, think of all the other I was trying to think of all the other movies that um Christine had done and then you getting pissed about Meeks is like the only thing I can think of now. <laughs> um 
Well, I think like you like picking like you know, especially like for this film, it's like it's like a really interesting sci-fi film, which I you know you like sci-fi movies. Um, it's like looks really beautiful, which I think is another thing when we talk about like production and how like it looks and the feel of it. That's like a thing that comes to mind for you for that one. Um, I think you like picking movies that um are more complex to have like interesting conversations about and also ones that like can be uh you know films that not everyone loves (laughs) um and like but like you always like see like especially when we had a conversation about Blade Runner like you like could see the other side of it and like I think like that's pretty great too it like shows like you are thinking about like all the different sides and we can have like interesting conversations even if it's like not stuff that you like totally agree with or totally like um and then because Meek's cutoff is the only other thing that I'm like thinking of like I think like like characters like again are like really interesting to you um and like even characters that are more complex and not as like likable is like um maybe some of the ones like Connor's like into and stuff um yeah, I think mm. I think that's yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Feels right. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, thanks Tori. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, Sam. I based. I mean, this is this is wonderful because it's got like nice material just from our podcast um, and from like I think wonderful thematic threads I see from the movies you pick is character driven movies with emotional core and like a really complex and strong emotional core. Um, that a lot delve into like friend and family relationships. Um, I really see that as like that being so central to as ideas of like interpersonal relationships and emotional core. And um, I can totally see it in so many movies. And I know you've also said it like pastel palettes with it, like visuals, yeah. like mm. beautiful, beautiful color palettes. Um, whether I mean. Yeah, I mean, and how the relationships between costume design and uh, sets as well, um, and just yeah, just like beautiful visuals and how that yeah pairs with that emotional complexity of uh, like how characters relate and like a, thr- a strong thrust of, of character arcs also throughout character transformations and, and growth throughout movies. I think is what I see in the movies that you've picked. Thanks, Chris. That seemed seem right on. Yeah, yeah, good. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay, Dave. <laughs> and you folks don't know yet what we're doing. Oh my god! Yes, week, secret so. secrets. Although I, I, if you've been paying attention, I've mentioned it once, once or twice. Dave, you like a slow burn. Most of the you time. You like a slow burn. You also like things that are intensely character driven, but are very theatrical. In a lot of ways. I think that the more unlikable and unreasonable (laughs) the main character is, the more you are to like that. Yes. However, you really like a strong female character. Yeah. And so when a movie has that, you're like, yes, I'm all in it. Boom. She's great. But when it comes to the male main characters, again, the more devious they are, the seemingly better. (laughs) But I also think that you like movies that delve, that like on the surface you could read one way, but like really delve into these like larger arguments of like capitalism, greed, religion, God, 
specifically I'm talking about the one <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, going to get yeah. to. Um, but even the other movies that you brought, like Capitalism and Alien and just... Right, space capitalism. It's gonna Xenomorph. get there. <laughs> it's gonna get there. If we go there, it's gonna be it's there. It's gonna be yeah. there. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So you like a movie with baseline, but like deeper, overarching themes that are just like so hard to have a conversation about, but like, but are so great. They're so great. They're so great. Really, really, even more than me, character-driven movies, and um. When the action gets going, it's unbelievable. I'm like strapped to my couch. I'm like, oh my God. With the exception of High Dad Soup with the Goofy movie, I like cried throughout yeah, the whole movie. That so. one's just, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Father that one's pretty soft around the edges for me, but yeah. But right. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I tend to prefer more uh, abrasive, uh, layered films, one. but uh, I do yeah. enjoy um, I do enjoy focusing on individual characters. Yeah. It's a good preview for next week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you guess what it is? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, capitalism, religion. Uh. <laughs> little prelude. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, the movie that you are going to bring to the group is, like, the, the, like it is your favorite movie because it's, like, everything you like, almost, that I could tell. Anyway. Yeah, largely, but just some wait. things that it. Uh, well, well, we'll get to it next week. Yeah, but we'll, we'll get to it. We'll save it for it. the next podcast, guys. <laughs> if this doesn't uh, ramp up for the next episode, I don't know what does. <laughs> Listeners out there, t- uh, if I will say that I'm exhausted, <laughs> having done the research and you watching see. it more times than I ever have. <laughs> it's been a weird month. That is. Oof. <laughs> Um, well, all right. I hope that you liked that question, and I hope that is something you think about, too. What do your... F- oh, my God. What do your favorite movies say about you? The end. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone have anything to promote, hmm. to talk about? I want some tickets to see Jojo Rabbit tomorrow. Yay! Yeah. Can't wait to see it early. Can't wait. Ritz East. Oh, I'm excited for mm-hmm. you. I'm going to let you guys know how it is. I got my tickets to go see Rosemary's Baby on October 15th. <gasps> I have to buy those. Ooh. Gotta go. Gotta go. Yeah, so buy tickets to hear me blabber on for a couple minutes before you watch like a really good movie um, at the Ritz. <laughs> Sold um, on both. Yeah. I'm just it, gonna be like a proud mom screaming. I'm just gonna try to avoid talking about Roman Polanski. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then check out Cinema 76. I just wrote a piece on Dress to Kill, one of Brian De Palma's movies, because we did a De Palma week, and uh, we're also doing our horror movies. So uh, I have two more pieces I'm writing this coming month for our horror stuff. Awesome. Yeah. I'm still working on a project. It's taking longer than I thought, but uh, it'll be, you know, there'll be some news soon. Uh, just, you know, keep paying attention. Follow us on our social medias. You know what they are. Butter with that podcast at gmail.com. Oh. Um, oh, never mind. <laughs> Butter with that one on Twitter. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's it. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>